Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. Matt Clark here, research analyst for Money and Markets with uh, our Bull and the Bear podcast for the end of the week. And uh, joining me uh, today will be uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell and contributor Charles Sizemore. Uh, you, you've read all of us uh, quite a bit on the website. And it's always nice to bring in Charles and Adam. They have a ton of expertise when it comes to the market. Uh, I'll jump right in. I usually go to a spiel on how you can listen and all that. I'll, I'll do all that at the end, but I want to kind of jump into the, the, the meat and potatoes of our podcast today. And and, you know, I typically try to find a sector um, and I relate that around Adam's Green Zone, uh, Green Zone Fortune Service, which uh, you probably want to get information on that. We'll let you know how to do that here uh, in, in a bit. Uh, and what he does is he takes all 11 S&P sectors and he kind of does leaders and laggards in terms of, uh, you know, what sectors are looking to perform well in the, uh, in the future as opposed to ones who won't be performing as well in the future. Uh, and he can explain all that, and he does a great job of it within his uh, within his service. But uh, one sector that has kind of been it's it's been overlooked, and for good reason, because it's usually been kind of a basement dweller of the S and P five hundred, uh, and that is utilities. But at the first of September, um, they kind of had uh, kind of that rare time where all the things aligned to allow utilities uh, utility stocks to have a very good, uh, very short but very good run. Uh, there was a downbeat jobs report. Treasury yields were pushed down, uh, and, and that gave utilities a, a, a nice bounce upward. But as with all things, the, the bounce didn't last very long. Uh, the uh, S&P Utilities uh, Spider ETF, uh, which is XLU, uh, it has jumped about 35% since reaching its low in March. Really, I feel like every time I say something has reached a low, it's pretty well just needs to be obvious that it's March because everything hit a low in March. Um, but it's still about 13.5% off of its previous high that it set the month before. Uh, it covers, you know, a wide range of very large utility stocks like Duke Energy, uh, WBC Energy, Excel Energy. You get the idea. Um, it, it's got a 200-day moving average. It's still about a dollar per share above its 50-day moving average. Uh, both the averages are starting to flatten out a little bit. And the ETF itself, in terms of its, of its look, is also starting to flatten out a little bit, which means the bounce might have been temporary and we may be looking at kind of a, a move back to way utilities usually uh, usually run and that's either flat or somewhat down. Um, but I wanted to find three companies within the utility sector that I thought would provide a little bit of variance. Um, you know, most of, of companies in the utility sector all kind of do the same thing. Uh, most of them are just regionally based. Uh, some are a little broader than that. But, but I wanted to pick out uh, three companies that I thought would, would generate some interesting conversation. So, um, I'm going to start with the first company and just kind of jump right in. And uh, this company has several subsidiaries, but uh, through those subsidiaries in itself, it generates and transmits and distributes uh, electric power across North America. Um, it's got an energy portfolio that actually includes wind, solar, coal, oil, and natural gas generation. So it's pretty broad. It stocks up about 60% from its March lows. Uh, in its last quarterly earnings uh, report, earnings for, per share went from about 86 cents per share in the first quarter to $2.59 in the second quarter. Not necessarily uncommon. This company typically has a very, very good second quarter because the second quarter this year is only three cents higher than the second quarter from last year. So the trends are about the same in terms of its earnings per share. The company I'm referring to is Next Era Energy Incorporated. 
It trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker NEE. That's NEE, uh, Next Era Energy. First, I'll bring in Charles Sizemore, Money and Markets contributor uh, and all-around swell guy. Uh, and uh, get, get your thoughts on, uh, on Next Era Energy. Sure, sure. Well, I'd start by saying, you know, I'm sort of the, you know, the in-house income and retirement guy. So utilities should sort of be in my wheelhouse. I'm not a huge fan of the sector, honestly. And there's a couple of reasons for that, why I have sort of a built-in bias against it. If you're going to go for a high dividend yield, it's really better to do that in a sector that's, that's less regulated. Something like real estate investment trusts, for example. You generally get higher yields, you get better inflation protection, you get better, you know, better free market access. Utilities are, are regulated, so it's like they're kind of the worst of all worlds in certain ways in that when inflationary, inflationary pressures are rising, you have government regulations that sort of prohibit these companies from, charging, you know, from, from hiking prices as much as they could. Um, the regulation, it doesn't always go against them. In some ways, it also protects them. You know, these are natural monopolies. But for me, this sector is only interesting if uh, at the right yield, at, at the right price. And I don't really see that today, even though this has been a market that's really favored tech stocks. Uh, tech has been, has just crushed everything else. That doesn't mean that the everything else is necessarily cheap. It may be less expensive than tech, but it, it may not still be, it may not be cheap enough to buy. And when I look at, at, at this, at this sector and at this stock in particular, you know, there are things I like. I, I do like the fact that their portfolio is diverse and that they do have exposure to renewable energy. Like that's, that's good. Um, if anything, that is a, you know, a sliver of growth with in, in an otherwise slow growth or no growth portfolio. But that's, that's it. Um, I, I am going to pass on this particular stock. It's just not cheap enough. The dividend yield is just not high enough. With limited capital, you can do better. Just for reference, uh, from what I see here, it's for dividend, dividend yield for next era is 2.02%. Uh, and, and it's payout ratio is 72%. For anyone but not much better than the S&P 500. I, no, I would add. No, the S&P 500, 500 is about 1.7, 1. 7, I believe. Yeah, 1.7, 1.8%, I think, right about. It, exactly. So yeah, that's just it. With limited capital at your disposal, would you rather just buy the index and get a similar yield or buy this? Right. No, uh, good points. Um, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist, Adam O'Dell. Uh, give, me, give me your thoughts. I, this, I want to hear because I know how it ranks on your system and I'm really curious to get your insights uh, on, on how that factors into your thoughts on Next Era. Yeah, so I'll start by saying I, I kind of echo Charles's sentiment that uh, as, a, as a broad sector, utilities uh, are not my favorite sector right now, uh, nor, nor are they typically. Um, I've actually even made a short play, uh, you know, a bearish uh, put option buy play on uh, the broader utility sector XLU in my Cycle 9 Alert service uh, about a year and a half ago or so. So um, it's not really my favorite sector all around. I will say that of these three stocks that we're going to be talking about today, uh, Next Era Energy is rated the highest. Um, so not only, um, basically it's in an uptrend uh, where the other two stocks we'll talk about today are still about 15, 16% off of their highs. Uh, Next Era Energy has actually made a pretty good recovery during the, the March to present recovery. Um, it started making new highs in August and has continued to make new highs. It's about 2.5% below its high right now. Um, it's kind of in a bull flag pattern. 
So I do think that if we can get a break above the price of $290 per share on Nextera Energy, that we'll see another bull run in this stock. Uh, I did get a cycle nine buy signal about uh, four, four weeks ago or so. So it still has about two more months worth of that high probability uh, sweet spot window. Um, my green zone stocks uh, fortunes ranking model, it, uh, Nextera Energy rates is 65 uh, out of 100 overall. So it's above average, but it's not really in that higher 80 to 90% score that really we look for when we're buying green zone stocks. It rates highest on momentum because it's got, as I said, it has a good recovery. Um, it rates very high on volatility in 96 out of 100, meaning it's a very low volatile stock. And it rates high on growth, which is actually interesting because being in a regulated industry, you wouldn't think of utilities being high growth, but it actually rates 80 out of 100. Um, it gets kind of poor scores on size. It's a huge company, 135 billion. Uh, gets poor score on value, 27 out of 100. So it's not priced very well right now. Uh, it is quite expensive and um, gets kind of a, a lower, right around average score on quality, mainly because it has a rather large debt load, which is kind of typical of utility stocks. But I'll have to say that, um, you know, so of the three stocks we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk about today, Nextera Energy would be my favorite uh, buy. But that said, I have a hard time supporting it. Nextera Energy is actually FPL or Florida Power and Light. So it's, uh, it's who I send my uh, power bill to every single month. And I don't know if it's American to hate your uh, utilities company or if it's just Floridian to do so, but Florida Power and Light uh, has a lot of enemies. I remember when in 2017, I was living down in the in the Florida Keys in Isla Mirada when Hurricane Irma came through. And my wife and I, we had to evacuate. So we slept all the way up to, to Orlando to, to avoid the worst of the hurricane. And in Orlando, I rented a U-Haul uh, trailer for the back of my uh, SUV and a bunch of supplies and about a about a generac um, generator and then when we were finally allowed back down to the keys i brought that generator down and um, basically put it together and got it running and with you know lo and behold within one hour of running that generator and the and the ac that we had bought uh, the power came back but the funny part of this story is actually that broward county and miami-dade county which was north of monroe county north of the keys they, they lost power for longer. I mean, the Keys have their own power company, so they don't use Florida Power and Light. But Florida Power and Light uh, services Broward and Palm Beach County and Miami-Dade County. They were out of power for much longer, for like weeks longer than the Keys were out of power. Um, so it's just, you know, they, they don't do a great job of managing their hurricanes. Another funny story about Florida Power and Light is, you know, when we actually moved out of the Keys after the hurricane, we rented um, uh, an old Spanish house in Coral Gables, which is like, it's really like kind of, uh, a very lush area of, of South Miami and lots of trees and lots of old homes and they, they keep it really lush. And um, the city of Coral Gables actually sued Florida Power and Light because they want to put all of their lines underground. I mean, we're in Florida, we're in South Florida, uh, more, more and more hurricanes are coming through and, and the city wants to put the investment into uh, putting the, the uh, cables underground uh, in, in, the, in the town of Coral Gables and and Florida and Power and Light won't do it. They just want to cut down all the trees, which is what makes Coral Gables so nice. And so they're actually in a legal battle. I don't know how it's shaken out, but um, so for these reasons, I don't really love Florida Power and Light, uh, and and for that um, and by extension, Next Area Energy. Uh, but overall, it's not a bad play if you're looking for a utility stock. Again, I think it's 290. If, if we can get bullish break above 290, I think it can make a run. But ultimately, if you don't have to be invested in the utility sector, I think Charles can probably find you some REITs. Um, that have better yields and, and, are, and are better. So I'll overall be a pass on this one. And uh, I, I am too. It's just way too expensive for my taste. Uh, I, the, the numbers don't say anything. I, I too 
uh, send money to Florida Power and Light every month. Not that I'm necessarily a fan of it, but I think in, in reference to uh, not liking your utility company, it's kind of like a newspaper. Uh, if you think about it, your hometown paper is always the worst paper ever. It doesn't matter where you're at or where mm -hmm. you're from, whether you're from Kansas like I am or whether you're from West Virginia or, or whatever, your hometown paper is always the worst paper there is. It doesn't matter what they do or how they are. Same with utility companies. Your utility company at home is always the worst one there is. So uh, the drivers in your state are always the worst ones around. Mm -hmm. I think it just is kind of a common theme. But um, yeah, I, you know, next era, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I think, I think Charles has kind of hit it all in the head in terms of the overall uh, utility sector. I am personally not a fan of investing in utilities at all under, under any circumstance. Um, yeah, I have not, uh, and that, that's just me. You know, that's maybe just my own bias. Um, so I, I just don't, I, I don't see the benefit of it, um, you know, right, right now, or I really haven't seen the benefit of it at all. Um, so I, I'm also a pass on next era. Uh, the next company here is a public utility holding company. Uh, it uh, operates in electric distribution, uh, electric transmission, natural gas distribution, and water distribution. So it's basically in the electric, natural gas, and, and, and water uh, sectors of utilities. It's basically surrounding in the Northeast. It serves residential, commercial, industrial customers in Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire. Uh, its share prices bounced about 40% off of its March lows. Uh, it's uh, quarterly last quarterly earnings from back in July, I believe. Uh, earnings per share were down about 25 cents per share uh, from Q1 to Q2, uh, but up about 10 cents from the previous uh, second from the second quarter of last year. Uh, this company is called EverSource Energy. Uh, trades on the New York Stock Exchange on the ticker ES. And I'll first start with Charles. Uh, now that we already know what, kind of what your overall thoughts are on utilities. Uh, I imagine your, your overview of, of uh, Eversource will be relatively brief. <laughs> yeah, well, let me go backwards and, and, and do a few more high-level points. So uh, first off, how are power lines not buried in Florida? I, I, how many hurricanes hit that state every year? How, how any, was this an investment that wasn't made 50 years ago? That any just, of us just, that have lived in Florida for any more than a year have been asking ourselves that question for since we got here. But I mean, it, this is like Banana Republic caliber mismanagement that this is not that these it, weren't buried 50 years ago. I mean, it's this cheaper is, to cut down trees than it is to dig holes. In the short okay. run, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly <laughs> uh, I'm with you, but I think it's a lack of foresight and inertia. It's a bad combination. So. Uh, same with the same with the water lines. I mean, uh, Broward County, uh, the number of very nice neighborhoods in Broward County have had uh, over the past year, year and a half, um, a number of major sewer line breaks. I mean, absolutely flooding these neighborhoods with with raw sewage. And the the, the amount of money and the amount of time that it's going to take to retrofit these um, these water systems that are going on like 40, 50 years old is absolutely insane. So deferred maintenance, I guess, in two words. Well, I tell you what, if we are not poster children for tourism in South Florida, I don't know who is. So. <laughs> Come to South Texas beaches. South Texas, be you know, I need a Texas flag to wave there. Um, a couple more high-level points on utilities. It's funny. Utilities have always been viewed as a defensive um, kind of anti-recessionary sector, right? That was one of the, you know, like, why would you ever buy utilities? Well, traditionally, they've yielded a bit better than they do today. They were competitive with bonds. I guess they still are competitive with bonds given how, how low bond yields are. But when you could get, you know, four to 6% yields in utilities, well, that's a lot more interesting than getting two, right? Um, what, what's interesting though, is that that defensiveness of the sector really came under attack this year. 
with, uh, with, with COVID shutting down the world like it did, you, you did see a lot of utilities take a hit because there were fewer restaurants open using utilities or fewer hotels open using utilities, offices, et cetera. So it, it is just sort of interesting that um, not even utilities were completely safe from this particular, uh, this particular um, slowdown here. Um, with respect to this stock, yeah, you guessed it. I, I'm a pass on this one as well. I, I would be a little bit more inclined to nibble on this one than, than the previous one, but I, I will also take a pass on this one. I'm curious to ask, I'm going to ask you why. Why, are, why would you be more apt to kind of look at this one closer than you would be on Next Era? Yields ever so slightly higher. I mean, it's really that simple. Um, I, I know the business is less interesting, but remember, this is primarily a yield play. And, and that yield is, well, it's not just slightly higher, it's actually significantly higher. It's just not quite high enough to be competitive with other income instruments. You could buy a really nice portfolio of just diversified dividend stocks, banking stocks, for crying out loud. You, know, you, you could buy a good portfolio of too big to fail banks and get a higher yield than, 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 than this. Um, however, it, it is a, a slightly higher yield. Well, it, it, I keep saying slightly. It, it's a higher yielding it's a higher yielding utility. Um, it's just not high enough. For reference, uh, the four dividend yield for ES is 2.66. For NEE, if you remember, the four dividend yield was 2.02. So uh, there is, uh, there, there is a, a good amount of difference in the dividend yield there. So um, Adam, your thoughts on uh, Eversource? Uh, I'm going to pass on Eversource as well. It gets an even lower score than Next Era. Uh, it scores 50 out of 100 overall, so right in the middle of average. Uh, its best score of 90 out of 100 is volatility, so it's a fairly low volatile stock, which is kind of common from utilities. But Charles made a good point that, I mean, typically you think of utilities being a defensive play. Um, so what people tend to think is that if you get a 30% correction in the broad stock market in the S&P 500, so to speak, um, that you might see utilities down 5, 10, maybe 15%. Um, but that really wasn't the case this time around. The, the drawdown in the XLU util spider utility sector ETF was, was 35% uh, into late March, which was you know, right around um, you know, matching the market. So you didn't get a lot of relief. Um, what, what you also didn't get in the recovery is um, you know, the, if you look at the recovery basically from March 23rd to today, um, you have the utility sector bouncing about 33%, which is the worst of the 11 spider sector ETFs. So all in all, um, you know, I guess if you look at year to date, you can kind of make a case that the utility sector was more resilient, only in the sense it's kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, you have year to date, uh, six of the 11 uh, spider sector ETFs in positive territory and five in negative territory. Um, XLU is down 7.4%. Um, so it's not the worst of the worst. You have the financial sector is still down 19% uh, year to date. And of course, you have the energy sector uh, down 44% year to date. So, you know, in my opinion, you're probably not going to ever see the utility sector be the, the worst sector down um, in a bear market, in a crash, or in a year to date that's struggling. Uh, but at the same time, you're not going to see it at the high end of the list either. So for me, again, you know, just investing strategically in a middle of the road um, sector doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm a trend and momentum uh, investor, so I'm looking for things that are already trending higher, that are have you know market beating momentum, that are making new highs and bullish breakouts, and uh, you don't typically see that from the utility sector. Um, so for me, it's it's certainly a pass as well. 
And I, I agree. There's, again, much like with Next Era, there's nothing here that's exciting. It, I, I'm not a fan of the sector at all. Uh, so, I, you know, but, you know, so you might ask, well, then why would you discuss it? It's like, well, because just because we're not interested in utilities in the utility sector doesn't mean there aren't investors out there who aren't. There are actually a lot of investors who are interested in utilities for one reason or another. Um, I just don't think the three of us <laughs> happen to be in that in that in that category. Well, now, to jump no, off that also, point, Matt. To jump off that point, Matt, I mean, we, we can provide value not in, in a couple of ways. We can provide value in pointing readers and listeners and investors to things that they should uh, consider buying and, and the inverse of that as well. You know, warning against you know, um, sectors or stocks that you should we would recommend not buying. So there are, I know that, you know, in this day and age with uh, yields so low, there are a lot of um, investors that think that dividend stocks are the only way to go. The utility stocks are great dividend um, paying stocks and that, um, you know, want to get invested in utility stocks. But if we can, if Charles and I and, and Matt can kind of show why those may not be the best plays and point you to other areas of the market, uh, I think we provide value by talking about, uh, even if we have a show where there's three stocks that we say uh, pass on, I think there's still value in that. So, Absolutely. And, and Charles, you were going to say, I'm sorry. Well, it, it's also, you have to dispel certain rules of thumb or, um, yeah, misconceptions, right? And the misconception, well, it really wasn't a misconception 20 years ago, but there was always this belief that, hey, as you become an older investor, as you're closer to retirement, you should have more of your portfolio in income generating assets. And utilities were always a really big part of that discussion. You know, utilities went along with bonds as that, you know, sort of widows and orphans income portfolio. And that was the, the received wisdom for, for, for decades, you know, forever. It's just something changed about 10 years ago. And, and what was that something? Yeah, that something was we, we entered this per perpetual low interest rate environment that sort of threw out a lot of the old rules. So I, I would argue that ever since, you know, roughly 2008, the utility sector has just not been what it was historically. You know, it's, you know, if we had had this exact same conversation in 2006, I might've said, yeah, I mean, th these utilities are, they're, they're decent bond substitutes. You know, they're decent long-term income generators. They're not my favorite. I think you should go with real estate investment trust or higher dividend paying stocks in other sectors or, or some, you know, diversified combination thereof. All that's fine. But I, pro but I know I would have been more uh, receptive to the sector than I am today. We're just in a different environment now. And that's important to point out is that, you know, things are cyclical. I mean, there's nothing to say that in the next decade, utilities don't make a run up, especially as renewable energy becomes a stronger part of these larger company portfolios and renewable energy becomes a, a hits a broader footprint, not only just in, in North America, but around, around the globe. Uh, you know, you see more sustainability uh, measures by, by traditional utility companies. Uh, and, and that's in hopes of that investment now is in hopes of paying off down the road when renewable energy becomes a, a, a becomes much more in use. As or, let's think about it a little bit differently. Let's think about it just in terms of valuations. Like, like, let's just say that we have a little uptick in inflation, you know, a year or two down the road that causes investors to freak out and just sell sort of interest rate sensitive stocks. Mm -hmm. Now let's say they overshoot, they just dump utilities, uh, just, just dump them, just throw them out like, like the trash here because they're worried about inflation. And then, well, it turns out inflation wasn't really that bad after all, but these things have really fat yields. Well, all of a sudden, that's a different environment. That might be really attractive. We're not there yet. Yeah, and I don't know that we will be there anytime in the next two to three, even five years. But Probably not. Uh, that's, that's just my thought. 
Um, all right, so moving on to the final company, we'll, we'll roll through this one. I, I, I picked this one because uh, of just its very big footprint and what it does. Um, it's a power generation utility company. It owns and operates power plants and then sells that power to other utilities. So basically, it's not like a, a Next Era, which has a subsidiary of Florida Power and Light that actually supplies the power to residents and to consumers and to industrial plants and things like that. This is the company that owns the power plants, generates the electricity through those power plants, and then sells that power on transmission lines to energy companies. Um, it owns and or operates uh, a portfolio of about 30,000, uh, about 30,400 megawatts. It has operations in the U.S., Puerto Rico, El Salvador, Chile, Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, Mexico, Central America, the Caribbean, Europe, and Asia. So everywhere except for Antarctica, Russia, and Australia. Uh, so it's got a very, very wide footprint in terms of its power generation. The share price hit a low of about $9.38 a share back in March. Now it's up to about $17 per share. Uh, it's experienced about an 88% increase since then. Um, but the most recent uh, company earnings report for the quarter showed an earnings per share loss of 13 cents, and that's down from a positive 22 cents per share it reported in Q1. Uh, the company that I'm talking about here is AES Incorporated, uh, Corporation rather, trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker, obviously AES. So first, Charles, uh, your, your thoughts on AES. You know, you put a gun to my head and you say, you gotta pick one of these three. You got to buy it. You got to hold it for years and you, you, you got to marry this stock. Shotgun wedding with one of these stocks you pick. Uh, this would be the one I would pick. Uh, that doesn't mean I like it though. So I, I, I'm still going to give this one a pass, but it's the, I'm, I'm more receptive to this one than, than any others. Uh, I like the international diversification. I like the diversification of their energy portfolio itself. Um, I do like the fact that they're wholesale rather than retail. I like all of that. Um, the yield's a little bit higher as well. The yield is approaching something I would consider competitive. It's, it's not quite there, but it's 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 getting there. Um, it's just not quite high enough for me to justify nibbling on right now. So uh, still a pass, but a weaker pass than the other two. Forward dividend yield for AES right now is 3.29%. So uh, that is much higher uh, than the previous two stocks we've talked about. Adam O'Dell, your thoughts on uh, AES? Uh, I have a different take, actually. I mean, to use Charles's uh, setup there, if I had a gun to my head and I had to short one of these stocks, it would probably be AES. Um, and that's based more purely on the numbers. I, I don't know the, I, I do realize that this is more of an international exposure um, utility. So that may have, um, that may be a positive as far as the, the um, business formation in the market they're in. Uh, but if I'm just looking at the numbers on my Green Zone Fortune stock ranking model, AES rates a 22 out of 100. Uh, so that's lower than the other two stocks we've already talked about, which I wasn't high on as well. Um, really, when you get to stocks that are ranked in the 10s and, and 20s, um, those are stocks that not only do you want to absolutely avoid uh, buying, but you could even consider shorting them because they're not only likely to underperform the S&P 500, but over, over uh, the full time frame of my analysis, it shows that these stocks typically even produce negative returns. So those are, those are good short opportunities. Um, the stock is is not not in a longer term uh, uptrend, so it's um, avoidable as far as buying. Um, and it's it's actually showing a pattern um, in 07 and 08. Uh, the stock kind of topped out in the 20 to 24 dollar range. So there's a lot of supply up there, and uh, basically it's it's now showing over the past year and a half or so what could be a head and shoulders pattern, which is kind of a topping pattern. 
it's where the stock makes one advance and then falls back. It makes a second advance, which is more successful at pushing the share price higher. So that's kind of the head in the, in the formation. And then it falls back down. And then the third advance kind of goes to the, the price level of the first advance. So in AES, it really had trouble getting above $18 in uh, early 2019. Um, just before the Corona cr crash, it kind of made a, a head above $20, $21, and then crashed all the way down to 9 And now it's having trouble getting above $18 again. So that's kind of the second shoulder. So what I would probably do is if I was really looking for a short within the utility sector, I would wait and see as long as the stock cannot get above $18, it's a viable short. I would probably wait for it to fall down to 17 or maybe even $16. If it goes below $16 a share, that's below the, the longer term 200-day um, moving average. So you could short it at $16. And I think at that price, um, if, it, if it went into another uh, free fall or even a, a longer term downtrend, um, I think the share price is going to get cut in half. So I think you could probably short it from 16 all the way down to around $8 a share. So for me, um, you know, not, not all, you know, shorting is not great for all investors. Not everybody needs to play that game. But if you are somebody that likes to short and, and is looking for a short within the utility sector, um, I would also recommend doing it by buying put options so your risk is limited rather than outright short selling shares. Uh, but for me, AES is more of a short candidate than a long. And I'm kind of I'm with Charles on this. You know, out of the three, I, I, I probably... I, I would I would swallow AES the the easiest, but it'd be very difficult. And I think you I think you mentioned the head and shoulders pattern. I think that's dead on. It's really struggling. It's finding resistance at 18. I think it's going to push back. I think it's going to continue to push back. Uh, I, I just don't you know I, I don't I don't see this stock really going anywhere. It had nice momentum, but then again, every stock had nice momentum after March. Um, so there's really no rationale for why it shouldn't pull back at this point. I think it's going to keep doing that. Um, it's, you know, it's return ons are, you know, they're about in line with the industry average. Um, you know, the dividend yield for dividend yield is, 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 is okay. Um, it certainly isn't great. And I think you're right. Adam Charles can probably find at least probably has five stocks off the top of his head right now that he could say, Hey, these have much better dividend yield and can provide you much better, much better income, you know, and, and, and at less risk, uh, than, than any of these three stocks. So. I'm kind of a pass uh, on it. I do like the idea of, of shorting it. I, I think that's an interesting thing, but I, you, know, you have to be cautious about shorting and you have to know kind of what you're doing whenever you decide you, you want to put in a put option or a call option. And this is definitely a put option. Um, but uh, uh, I think that's an interesting take out. I think it was good to, good to bring that up. So just to kind of review, uh, you know, not all of us, we're not, we're not sold on the utility sector uh, in any way, shape or form. Uh, we're pass on all three of these stocks. Uh, but it's more so to provide you maybe some insight in terms of if you are looking at utilities as a possible dividend play, as an income play, that maybe there are better options out there. There are REITs, there are uh, you know many other things out there that can uh, even higher higher yielding dividend stocks uh, that are out there. We had our dividend uh, dividend of the week uh, uh, that we just recently put out. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before uh, that it was not a it was not a REIT and it was not it was just a, a regular stock that actually has. Um, an okay dividend yield, uh, and there's many more out there. So, you know, the, we want to provide you kind of the, the best information we can so that you can 
be smart when you when you're trying to make profits uh, moving forward and invest your money. So, uh, just a, a reminder: we do the Bull and the Bear uh, at least twice a week. You can listen to us uh, on any of your podcast uh, favorite syndicators: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're in the process of getting onto Amazon. Uh, you can just click whatever podcast channel you listen to. Make sure you uh, follow us. You can also get notified on some of those channels when we actually release a new podcast. We're also on YouTube. Go to YouTube.com, type in Money and Markets, and you will see the green logo there, and that's us. Uh, click subscribe and uh, click the, the red bell that pops up afterwards, and you get notified every time. Getting notified is actually kind of cool because we typically put out these podcasts and videos about a day before they go on MoneyandMarkets.com. Uh, so you actually get the information ahead of anyone else. So it's kind of, it makes you a bit of an insider, if you will. If you have any comments, questions, or uh, maybe a, as a stock or a set of stocks or sectors that you'd like Adam, Charles, and I to take a look at, email us at thebullandbear at moneyandmarkets.com. That's thebullandbear at moneyandmarkets.com. Uh, coming up uh, next week, we've got the week ahead that'll be out uh, later on in the weekend, plus uh, stay tuned for the marijuana market update, which comes out next week, and uh, more of the bull and the bear. We'll, we'll, we'll talk stocks and uh, provide you with safe, smart, and sound investment information so that you can make the best decisions possible. For uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, contributor Charles Sizemore, I am a research analyst, uh, Matt Clark, and until we talk next time, safe trading, everybody. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 